Happy Thursday, Broomies. This week's episode was briefly introduced in Season 1, Episode 6, when I gave an overview of what it means to be Wiccan, touched upon the Wheel of the Year, and listed out the holy days of the religion of Wicca. In this episode, we'll take a deeper look at the Wiccan calendar and its holy days. If you're not familiar with the concept of the Wheel of the Year or with Wicca, I'd like to suggest listening to Episode 6 before you dive into this week's episode. I'll link episode 6 in the podcast description to make it easier to find. I had a lot of fun recording this week's episode. I've really looked forward to this topic for a while, and I hope you'll enjoy it too. Greetings. You have wandered upon Broomstave Witchery, a podcast that explores all things pagan. My name is Sabrin Whitethorn, and I'll be your guide. So grab yourself some tea and come talk a spell with me. Welcome to the last episode of season one, to the last episode of 2021. Broomies, we made it through another year. It's another reason to celebrate looking ahead to 2022. Another year ahead another seasonal cycle of possibilities. I always wonder how everyone else feels this time of year. Do you feel relief that the year is over with? Or do you look back and try to focus on the positive things that happened and the growth that was made throughout the year? I'd like to start a discussion on our Facebook and Instagram communities. Tell me what you do around this time as you're getting ready for the new year. Do you update your bucket list? Make New Year's resolutions? I do keep a bucket list of sorts, a few pretty big things that I'd like to do in my lifetime, but I'm not really big on New Year's resolutions. I like to participate in the Day Zero Project. I love the Day Zero Project. It's a list of 101 goals to complete in 1,001 days, or 2.75 years. The idea is that a bucket list has no end date. Well, except for when your time in this life expires. So you often put things off because you think you'll have more time. And New Year's resolutions only last a year and are often blown off after a month or two. With the Day Zero Project, you have a 1,001 days, so you have a set expiration date in which you want to complete these goals. 2.75 years is enough time to save money for any bigger goals you might want to complete during that time and gives you enough time to complete some larger or longer tasks. But it's not as open-ended as a bucket list, and it can be anything. Some common goals are things like read 50 books, or make a list of 101 things that make you happy, or watch the sunrise and sunset on the same day. You can add any goals you want, and there are no rules, except that they have to be clearly defined goals. Instead of read more books, for instance, you'd set the goal of 50 or 100 books read in that 1,001 days. I've been working on creating my list for the next 2.75 years and thought it might be fun if other Broomies wanted to participate. We could even help motivate each other via our online community. If you want to read more about the 101 things in 1,001 days, their website is dayzeroproject.com. You can view the top goals people add to their lists, view lists that others have made public, and even track your own list. I tend to keep my list private and on my own, as I often have financial goals and other very personal items on my list, but I might consider sharing it publicly this go-round. 
I still love to go navigate the website to see what others have going on. So I'll start a conversation on Facebook and Instagram, and hopefully some of you will pipe in with some advice for others going into the new year, or share what you like to do to prepare or set goals for your upcoming year or few years. I always like to leave the final goal on my list of 101 things as write a new list of 101 things for the next 1001 days. Not only is it much harder than it sounds to come up with 101 goals, really, it's like a goal all in itself. But after doing it three times, it gets even more difficult to come up with new items. I love the challenge, but it also feels very cyclical. To get to the end of your list and do it all over again, it's a lot like the cycle of the seasons, of the lunar phases, and the cycle of life itself. This is how pagans see the world. Cycles. It's less about a linear calendar that feels very much like a flat timeline, and more about something that's never-ending. Phases. Cycles. Circles. This is our way. This has always been our way. Calendars have existed for as long as humans have seen patterns in nature and life, and for as long as we've needed a way to organize the passing of time and changing of the seasons. The first known calendar existed about 20,000 years ago, in the Middle Paleolithic period, and was painted on a cave wall in Lescaux, France. The calendar depicts the phases of the moon. Stone arrangements found in Australia that date back 11,000 to 20,000 years, a ceramic artifact found in Bulgaria dated back about 12,000 years, and an arrangement of 12 pits and an ark in Scotland from about 10,000 years ago are also thought to be calendars of the lunar cycle during those times. The Sumerian calendar, dividing the year into 12 lunar months of 29 or 30 days, was found during the time of Mesopotamia between the 6th and 5th millennium BCE. There were no weeks and the months were simply called the first month, the second month, etc. Stonehenge, which was believed to have been created between 3000 and 1520 BCE in southern England, showed precise coordinates for the seasonal and celestial events such as the solstices and lunar eclipses. The Mayan calendars are considered the most complex and are believed to have begun in 3114 BCE. I could fill an entire episode just talking about the history of calendars. Almost every time period in history has a calendar of some kind. They differ throughout time, across countries, and are richly entwined with cultural and religious traditions, celebrations, and ways of life, many of which have filtered and shifted into what we now use as a calendar system today. It's in the ancient Celtic culture, however, that we're going to place our focus today. This idea of life being cyclical. As seasons change, the life of agriculture changes. Seeds are planted, they sprout, they grow, they're harvested or they die, and the cycle begins again. This is seen in the seasons of life as well. We're born, we grow and learn, we bring forth new life and help it grow. We teach, we die. But all is not lost. We are reborn and our cycle begins anew. As we discussed in episode 6, the Wiccan calendar is seen as a circle or wheel, and therefore is called the Great Wheel or Wheel of the Year. 
It turns continuously, and you'll often hear Wiccans refer to the changing of the seasons by saying things similar to, as the Great Wheel turns, we welcome the coming of the new season. The Wheel of the Year also symbolizes the cycles of life, death, and rebirth, both agriculturally, with the celebration of plantings and harvests, with the seasons, the birth of spring, growth of summer, maturity and harvest of fall, and the death of winter, and again with the birth of spring, and through the life cycle of the god and goddess. The Great Wheel shows us that we can take example from and align our lives with nature, instead of working against it or viewing life as having a beginning and an end. Life is cyclical, as nature itself is cyclical. It's the Celtic's view of the cycle of life and the fire festivals, intertwined with the Anglo-Saxon celebrations of the solstices and equinoxes, that help form the foundation of our Great Wheel. The Wheel of the Year in its modern form was first suggested by Jacob Grimm, a German mythologist, linguist, and folklorist, in his book Teutonic Mythology in 1835, and was brought back into the light during the 1920s by folklorist and Egyptologist Margaret Murray as she explored European witchcraft. Now, there are many Wiccans who will discount the work of Margaret Murray. She never claimed to be of the old religion— In fact, she believed it had been wiped out with the coming of Christianity, and much of her work about Wicca and witchcraft has been often and widely discredited throughout the pagan community. It's not uncommon to see her name credited within the research for many theories within witchcraft, and it's just as common for witches to discount writing that includes her name and move on to something better researched. However, I must give credit where credit is due— And Murray did, at a minimum, bring Grimm's work back into the light so that Gerald Gardner and Aidan Kelly could further refine it. In the 1950s, Gardner's edition of the solstices and equinoxes, as well as the Celtic fire festivals, finalized our modern-day Wiccan calendar, and Kelly is credited with naming the minor Sabbaths in the 1970s. In later episodes, I'll revisit these individuals and their histories within the pagan community. The Wheel of the Year is divided into eight segments that look like pie slices or spokes within a circle. This symbol is known as the Eight-Armed Sun Cross. As discussed in Episode 6, there are four major sabbats and four minor sabbats. The word sabbat itself was shortened from the medieval term Witches Sabbath, a time when witches gathered to practice their craft. It's also said that both Sabbat and Espot were taken from the French word sabatre to joyfully celebrate. I will loop back to discuss Espots in short order. The Sabbats are more than just holidays. Each of these eight segments within the Wheel of the Year represent a point or day of power in which specific natural energies occur within the seasons. Sabbats are solar-driven celebrations represented by the god, and the rotation of the earth around the sun. The major sabbats are Imbolc, Beltane, Lunasa, and Sawin. The minor sabbats are Ostara, Litha, Mabin, and Yule. Let's take a closer look at each of the sabbats. A quick note before we begin. Each of the sabbats will have its own episode in the future. There is far too much information to include in one episode. These are very brief and concentrated explanations. There is much, much more to discuss in the future. 
Samhain is celebrated on October 31st and is a major Sabbath. It marks the time of the final harvest before winter sets in. The days are short and the weather is growing colder. It's often considered the most potent time of the year to work magic and is a time for intense introspection. This is considered to be the Wiccan New Year's Day as it marks the beginning of the cycle of the year. The word Samhain means summer's end. Many modern-day traditions celebrated at Halloween in the United States comes from the celebration of Samhain. It's known as an in-between, the time when the veil between the living and dead is at its thinnest, allowing the spirits of our ancestors who have passed before us to visit. It's a powerful time for divination, and it's customary to set photos of loved ones, items they may have enjoyed while alive, or leave candy treats for the spirits of the dead on your altar. It's a time to celebrate the lives of those who have passed on and pay respect to our ancestors, pets, and loved ones gone before us. However, it's also known as a time for spirits who have been wronged to return to the realm of the living and seek revenge. So one must wear a mask so as not to be recognized, hence the modern Halloween tradition of costumes. Halloween bonfires and modern-day mischief nights are also related to Samhain. Bonfires, or bonefires, symbolize the reign of light and the order over darkness, and were times when the bones of slaughtered animals were burned. Witches celebrate around these bonfires by shedding unwanted energy and symbolically giving them to the fire to let them go. And Mischief Nights symbolize the chaos as the world began, and the restoration of order the following day symbolizes the order brought by divine forces. Samhain is considered a festival of darkness, balanced by the opposite point of the wheel by Beltane, a festival of light and fertility. It's during Samhain that we're reminded that death is a natural part of life and not something to be feared. The god dies and waits to be reborn at the winter solstice, and the goddess reigns as the crone. As the crone, the goddess represents both death and life. From her, all life will blossom come spring, and death is a necessary stage for this new life to be brought. Yule, or the winter solstice, is celebrated December 20th through the 25th, most commonly on December 21st, and is a minor Sabbath. It's the darkest time of year, but also a time in which hope has returned. In Celtic tradition, trees were the sacred home of the deities and spirits. At Yule, a tree, often an evergreen, which symbolized the power to survive throughout all seasons, was decorated outdoors, and gifts were given in honor of the birth of the sun god. Bonfires at Yule symbolized the rebirth of light, and the Yule log was burned to symbolize the rebirth of the god within the sacred fire of the mother goddess, a piece of which was saved to start the next year's fire to symbolize continuity. Pieces of holly, which represented the troubles of the past year, were thrown into the fire and given to the flames to be released. The goddess gives birth to the sun god on Yule night, and he will now grow strong as the spring and summer approach. Imbolc, or Candlemas, is celebrated February 2nd and is a major Sabbath. It is the midpoint between the winter solstice and spring equinox and celebrates rebirth, fertility, purification, and the coming of spring. 
It's a time for spring cleaning to ready for the year's new life and often a time to give donations to the less fortunate. The Celtic goddess Brigid, the goddess of home and harvest, is celebrated during this time. Hus dolls in the likeness of Brigid are often made. Wheat stalks, which represent fertility, are also weaved into sun wheels to represent the cycle of life. In the United States, Groundhog Day is the equivalent of Imbolc, bringing promises of spring. The Christian tradition of St. Brigid's Day was born from Imbolc, where the sun wheels are now reinterpreted as Brigid's crosses. Fires or candles are lit during this time to symbolize the rising of the sun, as the sun god is growing in strength as an infant and the days are becoming longer. This is a time for feminine strength and nurturing, and many Dianic Wiccans are initiated during this time. Ostara, or the spring equinox, is celebrated March 20th through the 23rd, most commonly March 21st, and is a minor Sabbath. This festival is named after the Germanic goddess Astar, mother of spring and fertility. At Ostara, feasts and celebrations that include colored eggs, rabbits, chicks, and flowers are observed. These things represent spring and fertility, and many modern-day Easter practices come from Ostara. Eggs were often colored and given as a symbol of life and cosmic universe, rebirth and renewal. Spring hares began mating during this time, hence the symbology of rabbits for fertility. Modern-day egg hunts can be traced back to the concept of the labyrinth, in which Neolithic peoples symbolically searched for the greater meaning within themselves. This is the time of year to practice fertility rituals and to plant seeds agriculturally. This is the time of year that is marked by a balance of male and female energies, and light and dark now regain balance as the days and nights are of equal length. The sun god is grown, and the goddess now transforms into the youthful maiden. Beltane is celebrated April 30th to May 1st, most commonly May 1st, and is a major sabbat which celebrates light, fertility, and the coming of summer. This is a time of passion and renewed energy. The name comes from the phrase Bell's Fire or Bale Fire, a reference to the Celtic sun god Bell. The bonfire for this celebration centers around passion and desire and setting aside inhibitions. Dancing around a tree in ancient times symbolized the celebration of the phallic symbol, a tradition that continues with the modern-day maypole on May Day. This is the time of the coupling or love affair between the goddess and the sun god, and the goddess becomes pregnant with new life. Fire festivals celebrate the sacred marriage of their powers growing, which makes this time of year most notable for Wiccan weddings, also known as hand fastings. Some covens celebrate a literal coupling during Beltane, referred to as the Great Rite. Participants may decorate their hair with wreaths of flowers. Litha, or the summer solstice, is celebrated June 20th through the 22nd, most commonly June 21st, and is a minor sabbat, marking the shortening of the days and the height of summer. The days are warm and the power of the sun is strong. Prehistoric monuments around the world align with the summer solstice, Stonehenge and Machu Picchu to name a few. This is a time for rest and celebrations with bonfires to welcome the sun, protect oneself from unseen forces, 
As the longer nights are on the rise and the newly awakened forces from Beltane are at full strength, protective sigils are common during this time. The goddess has now taken her mother form, focusing on love, healing, and friendship are important during this time. The god will soon sacrifice himself for the success of the harvest. Lunasa, or Lamas, is celebrated on August 1st and is a major sabbat. This is a harvest and grain festival that celebrates the passing of summer into fall. This holy day is named after the Celtic god Luch, who is associated with order and truth. The harvest, coming of fall, and death are all symbolized in the story of Luch. Lamas means loaf mass, and Wiccans give thanks by baking and eating bread to celebrate the harvest. Nuts and seeds begin dropping to the ground, which symbolizes the giving of life to future crops, and it's customary to give the first fruits of the harvest as offerings. The power of the sun god is waning, showing that all strength and power is temporary. The goddess is now growing in power through her pregnancy. Mabin, or the Autumn Equinox, is celebrated September 20th through the 23rd, most commonly September 21st, and is a minor Sabbath which marks the end of summer. The trees are beginning to change color, plants are dying, and animals are foraging for the winter months. Mabin is a reminder that the life and energy of spring must make way for the death of winter. The main symbol of Mabin is the cornucopia, or horn of plenty, which is filled with fruits and nuts to celebrate the abundance of the harvest. This is a time to give thanks for the blessings of life and of the harvest. The goddess begins her movement from mother to crone, and the god's power weakens. I look forward to diving into each of these sabbats individually in the future, to give you a better understanding of their history, symbology, and ideas for spell work, rituals, traditions, and celebrations that are associated with each one. For now, let's loop back and take a look at Espots. As you'll remember in episode 6, Espots are lunar-driven, represented by the goddess. While Sabbaths are solar-driven celebrational festivals, Espots are moon ceremonies, or working nights, where Wiccans practice magic with the phases and flavors of the moon. Every two and a half days, the moon moves into a new astrological sign, cycling from new to full in 28 to 29 days. It's important to know what flavor or zodiac sign the moon is in and work your magic accordingly. Knowing whether the moon is full, new, waxing, or waning can also aid in your magical workings. Each month has a different full moon, which are as follows. In January, we have the wolf moon, also known as the cold or winter moon. This is a time of protection and strength, of beginnings and endings. February brings the storm moon, also known as the death or quickening moon. Historically associated with storms, if you're looking to practice fertility magic, this is the best month to do so. In March, we have the chaste moon also known as the worm moon, a time to plant mental seeds and have thoughts of success and hope. This is also a time of purity and newness and to prepare the soil for new seeds to plant. In April, we see the seed moon, also known as the egg, grass, or wind moon. This signals a time of fertility, growth, and wisdom. In May is the hair moon, 
also known as the flower or planting moon. Health, love, romance, and wisdom are abundant during this moon. The mead moon is found in June, also known as the blessing, lightning, or thunder moon. This is a time of enchantment, health, rebirth, success, and strength. This is a time of first harvest when you begin to enjoy the fruits of your labors and a time of celebration and magic. August brings the wort moon, also known as the barley, corn, or red moon. This is a time of abundance, agriculture, and marriage. It's also a time to collect magical herbs and store them for the winter. In September, we have the harvest moon, which is also known as the wine or singing moon. Psychic powers and the ability to communicate with the spirit world are strong, so it's time to pull out those divinational tools, friends. October brings the blood moon. It's the last of the harvest moons, a good time to shed old habits, rebuild, and create. In November, we have the snow moon, also known as the ice moon or wild moon. This is a perfect time for spells that boost good fortune. This moon will help you focus on what you really want. And finally, in December, we have the oak moon, also known as the cold moon and wolf moon, the moon of long nights, and the big winter moon. Turn your attention to hearth and home and ritual spaces during this time. There are many examples online showing what the wheel of the year looks like. They can be extremely simplistic or very complex, It depends on your tradition and often just your personal preference. Most of them simply show the eight segments with the sabbats and dates, while others, like my own, incorporate the seasons, months, and moon phases. I'll post a photo of the Wheel of the Year from my personal Book of Shadows on our Facebook and Instagram communities to give you examples of just one. As always, before we part ways, I'd like to give a small shout out to various pagan accounts on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok that I find educational or entertaining. Etsy are online shops that are pagan-based, websites, books, products, and physical stores that are pagan-written, crafted, owned, and operated. This week, I'd like to shine my pagan spotlight on Selena Fox, High Priestess of Circle Sanctuary, Spiritual Counselor, and Psychotherapist. Selena's content on Instagram and Facebook always warms my heart. I don't think I've seen a photo of this beautiful soul when she wasn't wearing a smile and radiating positive energy. I love hearing about the rituals she performs, talks she gives, and enlightenment she offers. I love seeing photos of her from the 70s and 80s witching it up and spreading her love. Check out circlesanctuary.org or give her some love on Instagram at Selena Fox. I'll post her Facebook and Instagram accounts in the podcast description. Oh, and Broomies, Happy New Year. Thank you for conjuring up some time to spend with me today. And until next time, Broomies, remember, don't drink and fly. Fly.